What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 75, and today we are going to be covering the first part of Matthew 5. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So here we go. Tell us a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount. So we see here um, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. That doesn't mean that other people couldn't have heard or benefited from this. But in this instance, we see that Jesus is just explaining to them what life looks like. Right. So he says, follow me, come and be my disciples. And then now he's like, I'm going to tell you what this means. So this is that teaching. Piece yes. And yes. where we get the word discipleship. From, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So he's teaching us what, you know, what does it look like to live a life um, that is following Christ, that is a disciple of Christ. And um, we he's reminding us that this is done by the power, mm-hmm. through his power, not through any of our own strength or anything like that. And um, I th- uh, there's, uh, there's so much we could talk about before we get into this, but we're just going to talk about a little bit and then talk about more as we um, move on. But I did want to note that this is considered wisdom literature. Yeah, that was interesting to me. I heard Jen say that last yeah. weekend. Jen Wilkin, we went to a- an amazing workshop yeah. with her. And she mentioned the Sermon on the Mount and said it was wisdom literature. And I was like, hang like, on a minute. Like, second. I did not realize that. Like, that just never clicked in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And why is that important? Like, why is it important for us to know the genre? In this particular instance, that's a really good point. Why is it important? I think because we'll see, as we go on, we'll see there is some different types of language that Jesus like uses. Hi- hyperbole. Like hyperbole. Like, he's not really telling you to cut off your arm. Maybe Things like that. Oh, <laughs> we'll kidding. see when we get I'm there. Maybe Erin no, has kidding. a different take on this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yes, I think I think just um, knowing that he's he's entering a different type, and we'll like we said, we'll talk about hyperbole and that kind of yeah. stuff as we go um, is helpful. But I I honestly I didn't know that about the wisdom literature thing. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, some people some people have different takes on what his what Jesus's purpose was in telling his disciples that some people think that it was to show a moral standard that was not possible to mm-hmm. attain mm-hmm. to show them their need for Jesus, which is similar to like Moses, the 10 commandments, and the commandments. Right. Um, and some people think that um, we would with, with God's, with Jesus imputed righteousness that we can attain to these things. Mm-hmm. So there is some, there is some kind of, differing beliefs hmm. on it i don't think i don't a little food for thought as we go yeah. through this though you like can think you can it. think about what you think yeah and yeah. i i listened to a couple different really great sermons which we'll link in the show notes about this and one of them was by my favorite guy sinclair ferguson oh my second favorite guy you have a lot of favorite guys. You do have a lot of favorite guys. Taylor being the first. Well, Taylor, of course. <laughs> I meant like theologians that I like to learn from. But now that RC's no longer with us, Sinclair Ferguson is now. Anyways. Just um, because he died, he got bumped. Aaron. No, I still listen to him. But I mean I'm like kidding. live current yes. stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. So one of the things I found really helpful because the Sermon on the Mount is a bit longer and we're not going to cover it all in one episode. I thought it would be a good idea to kind of give like a brief 
summary of what Jesus is going to cover. And this is not my own words. This is from a book called um, Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing. And what um, this author is arguing is that Jesus is addressing, like we said, how, how to live, how to be a disciple, but also a similar question that he's addressing is what is human flourishing or what is the good life? Mm -hmm. And so his answer to that, which is the summary, his summary of the Sermon on the Mount, which says true human flourishing is only available through communion with the father God through his revealed son, Jesus, as we are empowered by the Holy spirit. This flourishing is only experienced through faithful heart, deep whole person discipleship following Jesus's teaching in life which situates the disciple into God's community and kingdom. This flourishing will only be experienced fully in the, oh, I don't know how to say that word, eschaton, which means heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. <laughs> when God finally establishes reign upon earth. But as followers of Jesus' journey through their lives, they will experience suffering in the world, which God's providence is in fact a means of true flourishing even now. So basically, it sounds very scholarly but what he's saying is that the way we can live what Jesus is asking us to live is through the power of the Holy Spirit revealed through Jesus with communion with the Father and that whether it's suffering that we walk through which we will talk about some of that and living to these standards is how we can experience some of what God has for us in heaven now here on earth does that yeah kind of make sense yes it's kind of a lot of words yes yeah it makes complete sense but we also see um when these standards, like we're saying that Jesus is setting really high, whether you think they were to show that we couldn't do it or give us something to live towards. What DA Carson says is that this is a test for us. Like, are you in or are you out? Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's what it looks like to follow me. You can't do it. Are you willing to do it? Yeah. Yeah. You can't be on the fence. Like that's just not an option. Um, It's either your whole life or it's not. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a good point as we're reading through this to think like, do I really believe strongly enough in the power of Jesus and in God's, you know, good design that it is worth living my whole life for? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. keep that in mind. That's good. So let's go ahead and dive on in. We will start chapter um, five, verse one, verses one and two. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, he being Jesus. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught him, um, taught them saying, and we're going to pause right here. So we got really far. (laughs) Yes, very far. (laughs) So the first part of the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes, which I always thought was a band. For a long time because it sounded like the Beatles. <laughs> so I remember like I remember having actual memories of when I was a kid in Sunday school. And I remember seeing um, I was really little and there all the Beatitudes were written out as like a border. Remember yeah. like borders? Yes. And on the top it said the Beatitudes. And I thought it was like a list of their song names or oh. like lyrics or something like that. That is hilarious. <laughs> we should totally start a band called the Beatitudes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> But um, as we jump into our Beatitudes, we'll notice um, kind of this repetition. And anytime there's repetition, we know we need to listen. And yep. and this is part of the wisdom literature aspect is that there's um, there's a flow to what he's saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a this, 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 like poetry. This, this, this. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So my Bible says that at this time it was customary for teachers to sit while teaching instead of like standing up in front of them in a in a way that we do now Mm -hmm. um but I think 
as I was thinking about that, I thought it paints such a beautiful picture of how Jesus is near to us and his intimacy with his disciples. And lately, I've actually started doing this at CC. Instead of standing up in front of my class on Wednesdays, I only have five little girls this year. And so I have started sitting at the table with them to do a lot of our work, kind of like I do with my kids at home. Mm-hmm. And it just changes the whole relationship. I bet they love it. They love it. Yeah. I love it. It creates this intimacy that we mm-hmm. didn't have before when I was standing up in front of them, mm-hmm. like towering over them. Now yeah. I'm at their same level. I can see them eye to eye. Like it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. So when I picture Jesus like sitting with his disciples teaching them, it's just completely different than if he were like standing over them. Yeah. It's just this nearness and this, um, I'm, I'm teaching you these things because I love you and I want the best for you. Yeah. And so I just, I kind of hung on to that when I was reading it, like the word sat just kept coming I'm like he sat with them like I just thought that was really cool and that just shows like how scripture is alive and active because I didn't even catch any of the sat part yeah isn't that funny (laughs) yeah but so like we said these are called beatitudes which comes from the latin word beatus I don't know if that's how you say it like the beatles um, which means blessed or some people translate it to happiness which is not actually a very good translation because this form of blessed is more than uh, like temporary happiness it is um, as the ESV Bible says it is a state of well-being in relationship to God that belongs to those who respond to Jesus's ministry so this is reserved for believers okay. this state of blessed that is being pronounced yeah, yeah that's good over to know. people a lot of times people do think that blessed hashtag blessed means right. happy you right. know so to, to know that this is different than that that's good yeah so i mentioned it a little bit earlier but you see a lot of par- uh, parallels to what jesus is about to say to the ten commandments um so the ten commandments the first five are about like a vertical relationship with god and the second five are about that horizontal relationship with others and we see this here the first four of the beatitudes are about that vertical relationship with god and the next four are more of a horizontal relationship we also see the whole mountain thing you know, Moses went up on a mountain. Mm-hmm. Jesus is on a mountain. So you see a lot of parallels here. Um, I like how Jen Wilkins says the first four Beatitudes are where our faith takes root. And the last four are where our faith bears fruit. Ooh, that's so we got fun. roots and fruits. Oh, fun. So, fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. All right. So let's jump into the first one. First three says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This could be confusing. Very confusing. And we'll see each one is kind of confusing in its own way. Yeah. And I think we need to keep in mind the context and the culture that they were in specifically when they were talking about this, which we say all the time, like context matters, culture Mm -hmm. matters, all that stuff. But thinking about um, the backdrop of the, I think it's the Greco-Roman backdrop. Mm -hmm. It was very much focused on success and money and how popular you were and so this idea um, of anything less than that is just shows like Jesus up upside down kingdom Mm -hmm. yep so first off we can say the things that he does not mean he does not mean poor in finances right right there's no merit to having less money or more money there's no prosperity gospel there's no poverty gospel we know those are both null and void and so that's has nothing to do what he's talking about I also read that it doesn't have to either to do with a lack of Holy Spirit. So you could read that and say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, so I should have less spirit. Oh, yeah. But that's that's not that's confusing. what it means. Yeah, it no, also doesn't mean, I mean sad. 
it, it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm so like Eeyore, right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. he's not talking about like be yeah. Eeyore. But what <laughs> D.A. Carson says, he, he describes it as it's the conscious acknowledgement of unworth before God, which is the deepest form of repentance. So just another way to say that is blessed are those who recognize their need for Jesus because in confessing their need and putting their trust in him, that gives them the inheritance of the kingdom. Does that kind of yep. help explain yeah, that Yeah, that was one? very okay. helpful to me. Yep. Yep. So moving on, verse four is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So you read that and you think, wait, what are we mourning? So is it like blessed are those who are sad because they lost someone they love? No, that's not what they, what it means here. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, um, blessed are those who mourn for their sin and their depravity. And they recognize their need for a savior. Just like Aaron was just saying, it goes right hand in hand with that. And, um, and so, yeah, it's all about recognizing our need for him, essentially. Okay. And five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So meekness, my favorite way I've ever heard meekness be um, defined is that meekness is not weakness, but it is strength that is restrained, mm-hmm. which like that. requires even more strength in order to restrain yes. the strength. <laughs> so yes. I think that was really helpful. Yes. And it, it kind of builds on... Um, when we were talking about poor in spirit, but it, it, it's more poor in spirit is more like self-reflective mm-hmm. of like, I need Jesus and meekness has to do more with how we relate with God and with others in, in, in the way that we act, we are to be meek. Um, and then the, that phrasing again, they shall inherit the earth. We hear a lot of about inheriting and receiving and those kind of things um, throughout this passage. And that's where we see kind of the poetry coming in. Blessed are blank. For they shall uh-huh. blank. Blessed are blank, and yep. they will blank. Yep. This you get in this rhythm. Yeah. Um. So that Greek word is later translated as gentle. Mm-hmm. So I think gentle is also a good way to think of meekness. Humility is another thing you can think of. And I think as with all things, um, we should look to Jesus as an example for yeah. this. He's yeah. the ultimate example of everything, right? Any any way we should be, but definitely meekness for sure. Yeah. So moving on to verses six and seven, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied and blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We kind of lumped those two together. Well, I think six is like probably the most straightforward of them. Yeah. Because it tells you what exactly what they're hungry. Yeah. And that's what we should be hungering and thirsting Mm -hmm. for is righteousness. Yeah. And then. Yeah, it's a little more straightforward. Yeah. So the merciful, this is a response to the understanding of the mercy that's been given to us. So when we think about it, it's just so humbling to think about the mercy that's been given to us mm-hmm. and and the fact that we are so stingy with our own mercy. <laughs> like we look at others and we're like, oh, no, they don't deserve mercy. And then if we do that like self-reflection and realize, oh, wait a second, like look at the mercy that's been offered to me. Okay, I God. instantly think of like, this is like such a not like God example, but I think of like when my husband gets sick and he's like, I'm like, oh, you're being so dramatic. And then I get the sick and I'm like, everybody needs to feel bad for me. Yes. This is terrible. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I had the flu in the spring and I'm still giving Jonathan a hard time for like not taking care of me when I had the flu. <laughs> And I'm like, well, how good did I take care of him when he had the flu? Which I should, like, I'm a nurse for heaven's sake. Like, mercy is supposed to be one of my spiritual gifts. And I think it is to everybody except for my family. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? But so, 
I think a good reflection point, this made me stop because we hear the words mercy and justice so mm, much mm. Um, in our culture right now. So I just feel like it's a good a good place to kind of stop and say, okay, what does mercy practically look like in your life? And Erin just gave us a great example. So is it showing mercy toward, you know, your husband or your kids? But what about beyond that? What about the beyond the four walls of your house? Like, what does it look like to show mercy within your community, Mm -hmm. within your city, um, within your church? You know, like, what does that look like? Because that's something that it's hard to define. My girls yeah. were asking the other day what mercy was, and it goes beyond. They were defining it as forgiveness of your sins that you don't deserve. And I'm like, that's not that's not all there is to mercy. Yeah. It's hard to define. It's more like a, of a compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I just thought it was a good reflection point because it's something that I'm trying to figure out in my own life. Yeah. Like what that looks like practically. I think the first thing that comes to mind is what we were talking about earlier about just like being aware, mm-hmm. like looking for yes, it. Yes, like that's great. Where yeah. are places mm-hmm. where I can extend mercy yeah. and show? Because I've been talking with my girls, not specifically about mercy, but about why we do anything we do. Yeah. And it's not because we should do it. It's because we're trying to be obedient to God and mm-hmm. give glory to God. And yeah. so I think you can mercy, like you're saying in, in culture right now, like there's a lot of talk of justice and mercy and, and other people can be merciful and we'll talk about this more. So oh, I'm trying not to get mm-hmm. ahead of myself, yep. but yep. like people can be merciful, but if you're not doing it for the name of Jesus, then it, it has a whole different meaning. This is talking about showing mercy on behalf of Jesus. Yep. yep. It's good. Yeah. So, okay. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. There's a really good seed song for I this one. I was going to say. Blessed are the pure, pure in heart. Yep. It's so good. Go listen to it. And I feel <laughs> like this one, I don't know. I was trying to think of which one of these is the most popular. And maybe it's just because I think of the song when maybe I hear Maybe it's because you one. sing it all the time. But yeah. I feel like, I feel like in the South too, it's like, oh girl, be pure of heart. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just seems Bless like your it's. heart. Maybe that's where <laughs> bless your heart comes from. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. I don't know. But I think. We talk um, a lot in the Bible, not we, the writers of the Bible, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, <laughs> scratch all of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Through the writers, the Holy Spirit talks a lot about heart in the Bible. Like we see the heart is deceitful above all else. We see everything flows from the heart. We see um, this this imagery that the Bible uses, and most of the time it's referring to the heart as the center of the whole person. Yeah. Not like an organ and it, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, yes. but yes. it talks about almost like we would talk about the brain maybe mm-hmm. and the heart combined, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. kind of like a driving force. Um, and so when we hear this, blessed are the pure in heart, it's talking about like your whole self, like p- completely pure. And the only way that we are pure is, um, through the blood of Jesus. And so this idea that Jesus is talking about where he's telling, remember, keep the context here. He's telling his disciples how to live a life. And, and so he's telling them that we are to be pure in heart. And, and what's inferred here is that the way that we are pure is through being in close yes. relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yep. Yep. That's good. So nine says, blessed are the peacemakers for the, for they shall be called sons of God. So this, um, when you hear peacemakers, you think about making peace between like ourselves and others, or even like making peace between your kids. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I believe this is what that's talking about. Like we should, we should bring peace wherever we go. We should, um, 
just have this sense of peace about us, but we also can help bring peace between others and God by presenting the gospel to Mm -hmm. them. Um, I like that. I heard Jen Wilkins say that and I was like, that's good because I wouldn't have thought about that. You think about like the earthly peace, but you don't think about the peace between a person and God. And then we get to be an instrument in that and God chooses to use us. That's really good. I've been reading, um, we've been reading two books, over and over again with the girls. One is God's very good idea. Uh-huh. And the other one is the garden, the curtain and the cross. And both of them are really similar. And both of them talk, I feel like about these two things really well. They talk about how it doesn't matter how hard you try. Your heart cannot be pure outside yeah. of Jesus. And yeah. they talk about how there is, um, I think I can try to remember which book it is, but it says like, God invites us in, but we can't come in because of sin. And like, there's this whole like great line. I should have brought the book so I could have quoted it perfectly but I feel like that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. like there's this desire to be with God and this we want to have peace but there's tension and the only way that peace is achieved is through Jesus, Jesus. Yep. and I love that now there are books that give language to this yes, for, kids. for kids so yes I strongly endorse both of both yeah. of those books yeah yeah and when I think about being a peacemaker I automatically go to having humility and mm-hmm. selflessness mm-hmm. because I mean, all you have to do is look at social media and see, like, the people out there that are not um, spreading peace are the people that are so worried about their own opinion or their own Mm -hmm. agenda or um, they're not focusing on others at all. They're focusing only on themselves. And so Mm -hmm. if you think of those people that you think of as peacemakers, they're the people that are selfless and humble. And so I think that's an important piece of that. And I think we see that theme all throughout this. And at the end, we're going to kind of wrap it all up in a pretty bow at the end of um, not the Beatitudes, but the end of the next episode. Um, But yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And then um, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I've read different things on this. I would like to know what you think, Casey. What I read on one of the commentaries that this is the end of the Beatitudes and that 11 and 12 are actually a different because they have a different type style. It still starts with blessed, but it's it's like a longer passage. And so some people end the Beatitudes right here at 10 and then some people take it through to 12. What do you think? I was counting. Really <laughs> I was counting um, oh, because, many? yeah, because Jen had said there were eight. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I don't know. Because I read that, too. I was trying to remember where I read that. I read that, too. So I think it's just a it however really you interpret matter it. at the end yeah. of the day. But yeah, I'd read that, too. But the reason I was bringing that up was because it, if we look at the first and then if we consider this the last, both of the promises are the same. It starts and it ends with for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so it was kind of like a bookend onto uh-huh. the yeah. Beatitudes. Yeah. Um. So we'll kind of continue it's kind of the same idea in the next verse. So we'll, we'll talk about it more there, but blessed are you. This is verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is, this is really crazy, but I actually have a good example of this. Um, that just came up yesterday and, um, it was, we're going through some just different things, some personal things in our life. And I was sharing with a good friend of mine and she said, oh, well, let me tell you, tell you my story. So she shared kind of her story with me and it is just crazy um, how some of the things in her story parallel some of the things we're going through. And I told her, I said, I am so, so sorry that you had to go through these things, but 
it brings me so much comfort in knowing that I'm not alone and I'm not the only one that has faced these hardships. And and it all surrounds following God's leading. Like she was trying to follow God's leading and their family was, and they had people persecuting them and people trying to hold them back from that. And we're kind of in that same place. Um, where like we feel like we're trying to follow God's leading and it's just hard. Like we feel like these roadblocks keep coming up. And um, so I read that and it says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so I feel like this is Jesus reminding them like it's going to be hard. Like following me isn't always easy and people are going to question what you're doing. But they question the prophets too. And look, they were right. Here I am, you know. And so um, that was it was cool how this all kind of just came together. And it was a comfort to me to remember that Jesus doesn't promise it's going to be easy. He doesn't. He says it right here. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And um, that's just always a good example, a good reminder. And then another example um, at the end of her teaching on this, Jen Wilkin gave a really good example about what Jesus was doing here through the Beatitudes. And she said he was giving his flock, his disciples and his followers clear expectations. And she used this example that I thought was perfect. So she said, when you take your kids to Target, you can take them into the store without giving them any expectations expectations and what happens they start (laughs) begging for popcorn they want an icy they want the newest toy they want all the cute clothes they want all this stuff or you can set your little kids down before you go in and you can say mommy is not buying you an icy mommy is not getting you any popcorn we are not buying any toys we are going in for groceries period the end now when you go in it might not always be perfect they might not obey perfectly but the scenario will end much much better when you set them up for success mm-hmm. versus when you just let them go and run wild in target so and i honestly i kind of have to give myself that pep talk <laughs> before we go in target okay casey you are not going to the magnolia home stuff not doing it today but <laughs> we're going to target after this actually so this is really helpful this is helpful Aaron, <laughs> stay out of the snacks <laughs> um but so I liked that example because yeah. that's what God, I mean, that's God and Jesus. That's what yeah. Jesus try, is trying to do here. He's setting us up for success. He's saying, here are the expectations. If you follow these expectations, things are going to go a lot better. And so I liked that because that, that gave it some um, accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And I think if we look over what we've talked about so far in, in the Beatitudes, we, it, it's fitting in line with what we prepped you for the Sermon on the Mount was going to be right. This upside down kingdom, this contrast to what they were told culturally and um, what it looks like to live. And and this last one I feel like is really the one where it's like, are you in or are you out? Yeah. Like it's going to be hard. It's, it's, you're going to be persecuted and that's going to look different for everybody and you're going to struggle and that's going to look different for everybody, but you got to make sure you think it's worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to close out right here and we're going to pick up next week with um, verse 13 13. and through the rest of five. But just to give a little summary sentence here at the end, one of my notes in the commentary, it said that in every way, the Sermon on the Mount was designed to demonstrate Jesus authority as the final lawgiver, reminiscent of Moses's trek up on Mount Sinai, like Casey was talking about, to receive the law of, of God of of, of Israel, Jesus went up onto the mountain, sat down, and delivered his message. But unlike Moses, he did not receive his message from a higher authority because Christ is the highest mm-hmm. authority. He is the better, true and better David, true and better son of Abraham. 
and greater than Moses. So just a reminder that this is, this is God's call. Yeah. And this is what we are to live for and live towards. And we'll talk more about, um, there's kind of three sections in Sermon on the Mount. We covered one today. We'll talk about the next two next week. And our memory verse for next week will be my favorite. Well, I don't know. I can't, I don't know if I can say it's my favorite. One of my top five favorite verses of the Bible, which is Matthew 5, 16. And it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.